Well, good morning, Thrive Church. We have a lively bunch this morning. It's good to be in God's house today, is it not? Can we just give God a shout out this morning? God, we are excited. And I just want to give a shout out to Garrett and his team. Our youth director, our youth ministry is doing a fantastic job of reaching the students of the 715. Let's give them a shout out this morning. I'm really proud of Garrett and what he's doing, and I'm excited. Uh, my, my name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. If this is your first time here, those who are watching online, I get comments all the time. People are checking us out online, so we're glad that you're watching us online, those in the 715. And I just want to encourage you, if you live close to the church, it is better in person, and we would love to see you here at Thrive Church. So can we just give it up for those who are watching online today? Watch it online. I want all of you to know, and again, all those who are online, uh, we, next Sunday, we are going to celebrate life change in the form of baptism. And if you are here today and you have not been baptized, and that is something that you would even remotely be interested in, you need to attend a, a meeting today. And uh, that meeting is going to be in the fireside room. So if you go out that exit door, take your left, and your first right, uh, it's going to be a quick meeting if you are interested in being baptized next week. And what is baptism? Baptism is, I just want to simplify as best I can, it is a celebration of your spiritual life change. It's a celebration. It's a recognition of what Jesus has done in your life. And uh, I want to encourage you to check out that meeting after this service. So I want to get right into my message this morning, and I want to encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes that were handed out to you. And if you'll notice at the, at the back of the sermon notes at the bottom, uh, we've just, uh, we try to do all that we can to communicate all the events that are happening here so you'll see some of the events, activities that are happening in the church. But if you follow along, uh, you, you just get so much more out of the message. So I, I, I know, I know. Okay, I know that I am being repetitive, but it's, this is one of those sermon series where I, I just, if I want anything to stick, I want these thoughts to stick with you. It's very important that we know as we move forward, remember that's our theme for 2021, we are moving forward in our mission here in the 715. And so we need to understand what is our mission here? What is that all about? What is the vision of this church and what are our values? So I'll try to go through that quickly here, but these questions answer, answer who are we, why do we exist, what do we envision happening, and then how do we move forward? So our mission is this. Our mission here at Thrive Church is we, we want to lead people wherever they are in their faith journey to become, because we understand that we're going through this transitional phase. God is consistently, constantly at work in our lives, so we're constantly becoming that we would become life-giving followers of Jesus Christ. So what is a life-giving follower of Jesus? To me, I define it like this. A life-giving follower of Jesus is someone who wholeheartedly loves and follows Jesus, and they do it in such a way that they are life-givers to the world around them. Isn't that a great, that's a great definition of what a life giver is. And, and they do this. They do these two things. They take on the mission. They say, listen, the way that I'm going to do this is I'm going to, number one, I'm going to own the responsibility to be a minister. A minister is somebody who meets 
the needs of somebody in need. And so I'm going to live my life. I'm, going to be, I'm not just going to ignore and do my own thing, look after my own needs. I'm going to look after the needs of others, and I'm going to minister to them right where they are. But not only am I going to be a minister, I'm going to be a missionary. And I'm going to share the life change that has taken place in me. And that life change can change your life, and it's through Jesus Christ. You know what this is called? The bottom line, the bottom line of our mission statement is discipleship. And discipleship is to take someone wherever they are in their faith journey, because that's what Jesus did to his disciples. You look through the Gospels, you see that Jesus took a squirrely bunch, okay? He took a squirrely bunch, and he, he transformed them to become life-giving followers of Jesus. In fact, that's why we're meeting here today, because of that one disciple named Peter who went out and he made a difference in his world, and that's why we're meeting today. And so, if you look at this graph, this is what I call a faith journey scale, then each and every one of us is somewhere on this faith journey scale. Some of you, you might be here today, or you might be watching online, and you might say, I am a nun, because I want none of what you're talking about today, and that's okay. Some of you, anybody who is here today, used to be a nun, you want none of this. <laughs> you want nothing to do with this. And, and, and that's, where, that's where people are at, and that's okay. But, but, but what if we could do something that would help you maybe bring you to that place where you would become a seeker? And some of you remember those seeking days where you just you kind of came out of that nun stage and you said, you know what, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be an answer out there. And so you started to seek and then one day you discovered Jesus Christ and you accepted him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And you, come, you became into this next phase of what I call a newbie. Remember the newbie phase? And you're just so excited. And you just can't get enough of teaching of the word. You can't get enough of reading the word. And you're just so excited about God. You could not keep your mouth quiet to the people in your workplace about Jesus. How many remember those days, those newbie days? And then you entered into the land of maturing because as you, you begin to grow in your faith journey, you begin to, but in that maturing stage, you learn that you're supposed to do something with what you have. And that's when you entered into the land of becoming a life-giving follower of Jesus. You decided, I'm gonna live my life as a minister and a missionary in my world. And so as a result of this, when you live out your mission, the vision happens. And so I would say our vision statement is this. We envision being a life-giving church that the disengaged are looking for. Isn't that an interesting idea? Who are the disengaged, I've talked about this before, but the disengaged are people that have a knowledge of God, an understanding of God, but they do not have a relationship with him. And as a result, when you don't have a relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden, church, God, faith becomes irrelevant. And I really think, <laughs> you, you turn on the news today and you see the irrelevance of God. You see the evidence of that in our culture today. And, but what if, just what if, and we could just close our eyes, what if those people who are looking for answers, what if we could be that church? And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning church, okay? 
But what if we could be the church in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our relationships that the disengaged are looking for, that when they look in your life, they see something. They see that peace. They see that joy. They see that confidence that you have. Where does that come from? To be the church that the disengaged are looking for. And I think that that would impact our culture. I think that would impact our community. I think it would change the world. In fact, one of the things that we think would would become of this, a vision that we have here, is that God would take people that that would get connected here at Thrive Church and that God would launch out missionaries and ministers into our world. And I'm not just, I'm talking about spiritual leaders, that from this church, God would put a calling on people's lives in this church. In fact, that's what this, that's what Thrive Church has been about, Christian Assembly. For many years, there's many people who are serving on the mission field, who are serving as pastors and spiritual leaders in churches today because of something like this. In fact, I, I wanted to recognize somebody today, but they are currently serving in the children's ministry. Heidi Craig, God has laid a calling on her heart to go deeper in her faith journey. So she went through this school of ministry, and this week she just received her certificate to recognize her graduation from the school of ministry, and she's currently pursuing her credentials to be a credentialed minister. I think that is awesome. Can we just give her a shout-out for that? Not only her... But there are five, five or six more other people who are in that same pursuit. Five or six people in this church who are saying, I, I just, I feel like there's something more. And if you're out there today and you feel like there's something more, I would love to have that there's something more conversation with you. So, but here's this. I believe if we will focus on the mission to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus... The vision will happen. So the past few weeks, I have been talking about our values, our values. And our values are our beliefs put in action. Our values are what shape us, is what gives us direction. Our values create the culture of the kind of church that we are going to be. And so I've been talking these past weeks, and I said the first week that we are going to be a spirit-led church. We are going to not get ourselves in front of the Spirit. We're not going to ignore the Spirit or put Him on a shelf. We are going to get behind Him, and we are going to follow the Spirit and what He has for this church and what He's called for us to do. Because the Word of God says, Jesus tells us, that without Him, we can do nothing. And so here's our our value statement. We will passionately pursue and humbly follow the Holy Spirit as our leader for living. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to lead this church. I talked about this last week, the number two, that we are going to be mission-driven. Jesus' mission here on earth was to seek and save the lost. Jesus' mission was all about life change. How many of you, just by a show of hands, your life has been changed by Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. It's all about that. Whatever happened inside of you that enthusiastically you raised your hand, yes, I am changed. Whatever happened to you, that is his mission here on earth. And so his mission, 
His mission of life change is your calling. Did you know that? His mission. He, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to join with him in his mission. And so we as a church, Thrive Church, we are going to be mission-driven. Today I'm going to talk about being people-loving. Next week I'm going to talk about being servant-hearted. And the week after that I'm going to talk about growth-minded. So today, you ready to dig in? Are you ready to do some people loving this morning. Let's talk about loving people. I want you to know this morning, listen to me, we, as a, as a church, not just Thrive Church, but the church as a whole, all across the world, do you realize there are churches that are meeting right here, right now, all around the world, worshiping the same God on the same mission? Do you realize that we are in the people business? We don't make widgets here at Thrive Church. <laughs> we, we, we don't do, we don't, we're not a restaurant. We are in the people business. And you know why we are in the people business? Because God is in the people business. That is his greatest desire, is to reach lost people. So in Luke, if you'll turn with me in Luke, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, Jesus tells us how important loving people is. Listen to this story here. Luke 10, 25 says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So the question is, I think many of us are, are maybe asking that question. What do I have to do to get to heaven? What, what, what is, in other words, what does God expect from me? How does God want me to live out my faith here on earth? Have you ever had one of those questions of God? Have you ever had, how many of you ever had one of those questions? God, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? What am I supposed to do You've given me the gift of your Holy Spirit. You've given me this gift of life change. What am I supposed to do with it? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He's testing the young man. This young man is a, a bright young man, religious leader. He's grown up and he's studied the word of God. Well, he, he quickly answers. I, I know the answer to this question. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, yes, yes, yes. Well done, well done. Jesus told him, if you do this, you will live. If you will do this, you will live. You know what this is known as? If you, know, if you look this up, you Google this phrase, the greatest commandment, the great commandment, the great commandment. A commandment is it's not, a, it's not the great suggestion. It's not, just a, it's not just a great idea. It's a great commandment. Do this. If you want to have eternal life, if you want to know how to live out your faith journey, and I love this. I love this. I love this. I think it's so important. I'm like a bottom line person. I'm a bottom, maybe I'm just making things too easy, but I just, Jesus makes it easy for us. What does he want from me? Just look at your neighbor and say, what does he want from me anyhow? What, is, what, what does God want from me? Jesus said two things. Just, just, just look at your neighbor and say, this is easy peasy. 
This is easy peasy. God wants me to love him with everything. Love God with everything you've got. And the way that you love God with everything that you've got is to just give it everything to him. Because that's what he gave to us. I'm going to love God with everything. That's number one. Number two, I'm just going to love people. I'm going to love people Jesus style. I'm not just going to say, yeah, I love people. No, no, no. Love people Jesus style. The Greek word for this particular word love, and I've talked about this before. I spent a, a while talking about loving one another and how we're supposed to treat each other. So this is not new to you. But the Greek word for this particular word love is called agapo. Agapo. Look at your neighbor and just say agapo. Agapo. I'm learning a little Greek in church this morning. Agapo. And I, I, I looked this up in, in a commentary I said that I read. It says it's a love that is of and from God. Let me say that one more time. Agapo love is a love that is of God and from God. And that means it's unconditional. Because that's the kind of love that God gives to you, whether you deserve it or not, whether you like it or not. It's unconditional, it's unselfish, and it is supernatural. It's not, listen to me, this is where we get confused a lot. This is, this is kind of flesh love. Flesh love is based on how we feel. Agapo love is a decision. It's a choice of the will. And you know what I've discovered? I'm not always good at agapo love towards other people. I'm not good at it. Anybody else who just, yeah, yeah, I confess, I'm not always good at that. But you know the one discovery I have made in my faith journey? I have discovered that when I work on commandment number one, to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I have learned, discovered that when I put everything into loving God, the natural outflow is to love people. How many of you have ever noticed that before? The more you love God, the more you cannot help but love people. And, and, and so I, I tell you, that is the secret right there. I'm telling you that when you have enter into or when you pursue a relationship with God, loving people is the natural outflow. So if you're here today and it's like, man, I am really struggling with loving this person, this person, this person, blah, 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 and you're really struggling, I'm telling you, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Agapo love, write this down, is always shown by what it does. You know agapo love because you see it. It's, it's demonstrated in action. And so this religious man, he wanted more details. So he asked Jesus, okay, give me more specifics. I need more details. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus. He says, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who's my Now, I... Uh, this, this, this next part might date me a little bit, but, uh, you know, we, we, when we think of neighbors, maybe you think of some of these TV characters here. Maybe you, you here's some all-time favorite neighbors that, that maybe you have experienced. Here's one of them I grew up with, Barney Rubble. How many of you remember Barney Rubble of the Flintstones? Okay, and he is Fred's loyal neighbor. Fred can do no wrong when Barney's around. And he's his, his Fred Flintstone's bowling buddy. Don't you love how they do the, the twinkle toes and then they, yeah, yeah. Barney Rubble. 
And then there is Wilson. How many of you remember Wilson from Home Improvement? He's that guy, he's just like that. You, you never see his face. And he's always talking to Tim Taylor. And he's always got that word of nugget. And he just, he's always that guy who just understands and great at giving advice. Well, then, then there are the obnoxious neighbors, all right? Uh, Frank and Marie Barone. Hey, Frank and Marie Barone, these are the neighbors who's like, oh, why did we live next door to my in-laws. And these can be sometimes the obnoxious neighbors, okay? They're always there when you don't want them to be there, all right? Then there's this young man, Steve Urkel, from Family Matters, and uh, he's the neighbor of the Winslow family, probably the quirkiest of all neighbors. How many of you have ever had a quirky neighbor before? Well, I, no joke, when we lived, I'm not going to say where we lived because they might be watching on, but, but anyhow, oh, I, we were just kind of a, a little bit tight of a neighborhood, and I was so excited, I went on a mission trip, and I got a hammock, all right? And, but there's really, the tree structure, there's really only two, one place that I could put that. It was right somewhat along the neighbor's fence. And at the family next to us, they had kind of a, a larger family, and there was this one young man named Martin. And to Martin, he affectionately became known to me as Martian. He was always Martian. And, and, he, and note, just Sunday afternoon, oh, it's just been a long day at church and going to relax in my hammock. And I get into that hammock and it's just shaping the body so good. And he's like, oh, this is so great. And you're just reaching that pinnacle and the, the hammock is just swaying just right. Yeah, some of you, I'm, I'm already putting you, I put you to sleep a little while ago, and this is only helping with that. And then all of a sudden, you hear this voice, Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles, <laughs> Mr. Miles, I'm trying to ignore Martian's voice, but you can't ignore the Martian, the Martian is not going away, yes, yes, Martian, Martin, Martin, yes, Mar Martin, yes, what are you doing? <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. And then the, the question, is Tyler home? <laughs> like, why don't you go around front and not going to do Okay, all right. My all-time favorite neighbor, Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. Yes, leaps into Jerry's apartment anytime he pleases. So neighbors, and we laugh at all of these neighbors, neighbors, that maybe you have, you kind of chuckle about, or maybe, just maybe, the, the, the neighbors that I describe right here, that's you. That's you, all right? And so, just wanted to point out, maybe your Martian abilities here. So, but here's, here's what you need to understand. Listen to me. Your neighbor is anyone and everyone in your world that is not you. Just get that. The question is asked. What is the question? Who is who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone and everyone who is in your world that is not you. That's who Jesus is talking about. And so, so it, because loving people matters to God, then loving people now matters to us. 
It now matters to us. So Jesus wants to really drill home this principle about loving your neighbor. And so he tells this parable. And a parable is a fictitious story that would illustrate a spiritual principle. We've all heard of this story before, the Good Samaritan. We hear about it a lot. Let me read it for you. It says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, a religious person, came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he completely passed him by. A temple assistant, another religious person who understood the law that you're supposed to love God and love your your neighbor. A temple assistant, he walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed him by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asked, Now, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, now, and go do the same. The principles that we learn in this story is how we are called to be people loving, how we are supposed to love others who are in our world. This man, this man it's interesting here, if, this, if you understand this story, this te- the context of this, this is a fictitious story, but Jesus uses the illustration of a Jewish man who completely, the Jewish culture had, you talk about racial tension, they despised Samaritans. I mean, the, the, the racial tension did not just arise here in the past few centuries. I mean, it was alive and well back then. And these two groups, they did not talk to each other. They did not acknowledge each other. If you were to touch one, somebody who was a Samaritan, you were unclean. I mean, it was heavy and oppressive. These two groups, they despised each other. But this man, this man, the Samaritan man, he chose agapo love. He chose to live a gospel love. He went over to the man. He performed first aid, and he cared for his wounds. He inconvenienced himself by putting the man on his donkey, and he instead, he did the walking. He took him to an inn, and he says, I will take care of the bill, and any extra bills that come down the line, I will take care, care of him. He loved by extending mercy. Mercy is this, to give something needed that is not deserved. Mercy, to give what is not deserved. So, who is my neighbor? That's the question here. Who is my neighbor? Again, your neighbor is anyone and everyone who is different than you that's in your world. That means, these are people, I mean, I'm going to say this. Can I just go there? Just be careful. If you don't want to hear this, just close your ears. But these are people who have, that are different, different racially. They're of a different race. These are people who are of a different religion than you, or they may have no religion whatsoever. 
These are people, again, who are different than you. These are people who may have different morals than you. And here's the big one. Here's the biggest one right now. These are the people that are in your world who have the opposite political view as you. Is that fair? That is your neighbor. That's just, it's the same context of this Jewish man and this Samaritan man. I'm almost done here. Three choices. Three choices to be an agapo neighbor to your world. Three choices that need to be made. Number one, we need to choose to be a life giver. Luke 10.33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along. So somewhere in this Samaritan's life, he decided, I'm not going to be a life taker. I'm not going to live my life as a life taker. How many of you know some life takers? How many of you are sitting next to a life taker? Just kidding. I'm not going to be a life consumer. I'm not just going to like, hey, the whole world revolves around me and everybody owes me. I'm going to be a life giver. He decided that he's not going to view his world the same way people or traditions are telling him to do. Somewhere along the line, before this encounter, he made this decision to live what he believed. And if you want to be a life giver, determine that you're going to live love like Jesus. I want you to listen to this, Ephesians 2. But God, so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much. Can I just stop right here? Some of you, you need to be reminded that God loves you. He is the definition of agapo love, unconditional, unfailing. God loves you, and he loves you. He says that he loves you so much that even though we were dead in our sins, Wherever you are today in your faith journey, you could be the farthest extent of a nun. God still loves you. And he gave up his life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you can be saved. You see, even when we didn't deserve it, Christ, God, still loves you. And he still extends to you agapo love. Then Jesus tells us this. This is how you then... What I've done for you, now you go and do for the people in your world. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, the greatest commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Can I, can I just, let me clarify who are the each others. The each others are the one another's. When you see that one another, he's, he's referring to the Christian brothers and sisters, people in the church. You see, some of you might be sitting over here because you really don't like some of the people over here because that happens in church world. Not at Thrive Church. Not at Thrive Church. But sometimes that happens in church world. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let's get everybody together to love one another. And the one another's are those who are in the church are of the faith, and then we're supposed to love others, those who are not in faith whatsoever. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love, listen to me, your love for one another will prove to the world that you 
are my disciples. So we as Thrive Church, we have committed that we are going to be people loving. We are going to commit to genuinely love people in the same way that God loves us. How many of you believe that's how the church should be? We are going to genuinely just from the heart. We're not going to make it up because pastor's telling us that it's one of our values and I have to do it. But I'm going to love from my heart in the same way that Jesus loves me. So we're going to, three choices to make. I'm going to choose to, choose to be a life giver. Number two, I'm going to choose to be compassionate. It says when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Compassion is that feeling or that deep sympathy and sorrow for one another who is stricken with the misfortune. Matthew 9, 36. This is one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. It says that Jesus is, is traveling around and he's entering into this community. I don't know what was going on in this particular community, but he says that when he saw the crowds, when he saw what was happening in this crowd, he had compassion on them. I love that. He had, his compassion was stirred because they were confused, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. Now, when I would read that passage, I think of that frail old lady that changed the world, Mother Teresa, in her late 1940s, was in a convent. God was stirring her to the people of Calcutta, India, one of the, talk about third world country. And she went and lived among the poor and the, the outcast of Calcutta, India, and she gave her life to the outcast, the ones that everybody rejected. She gave her life. And then it's, it's soon turned into an AIDS ministry. And she literally impacted thousands, if not millions, of life because of her compassion. Her compassion caught the attention of not only the Indian government, but the entire world. This frail young lady, her compassion changed the world. So what does that look like in a practical way? You know, there's a, a Barna group that studied the church here, and they said there is one quality in their studies. They discovered one quality above all others that non-Christians, people who are not in Christ, what they're looking for, if they were to have a conversation with somebody about faith, this is the one person they would have that they would talk with. They said the one quality non-Christians that disengage look for in a person with whom to talk about faith is someone who listens without judgment. So if we ask the question, if we are going to be the church that the disengaged are looking for, and we ask the question, what are the disengaged looking for? I hear that they're just looking for an open ear, someone who will listen to their needs, to the issues in their life with compassion, with compassion. What if we were to just listen? What if that was to be our act of compassion? Instead of worrying and walking through life, what if we were to just stop and listen with compassion? Three choices, almost done here. Three choices to be an agapo neighbor. 
Number one, you need to be a life giver. Number two, you need to have compassion. And number three, you need to choose to be invested. The word invest is this, that you give back what God has given to you for a bigger investment. Say it one more time. God has given so much to you. How many of you right now, you would raise your hand, you are living the blessed life. You are just, you are so blessed. When you say blessed, you're saying it's from God. I'm living the blessed life. And so somebody who's invested is saying, I'm going to take my blessings and I'm going to share them with my world. So the Samaritan man, he chose to invest in this, wounded, this, this man's life. Remember the investments that he gave? He gave his time. He gave his compassion. He gave his money. He gave of himself. He reinvested what God had invested in him. Listen to 1 John. It says, dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let's, let's not just say that's really nice for those teenagers to do that. But let us show the truth by our actions. Agapo love is always revealed in its actions. There's three things that God has given each and every one of you here today that he's called for you to reinvest. Number one is your time. I love it that I tried to go in the back and convince Heidi to come out so we could have a little presentation for her this morning. And she's investing her time in young children's lives right now. I think that's great. Who are you investing your time into? We're called to invest our talent, our giftings, our abilities. Each and every person in this room, we're going to talk about this next week, you have a gifting that God has given to you, and it's not necessarily just for your benefit. It's for you to use to help bring life change into the world around you. So you are, you are called to reinvest your time, your talent, and your resources. That's what so many of you have done to this church. That's why we had a picture of all those teenagers going to camp. Many of you, you invested into their lives, and you're excited today. You're really happy because you saw what, and you heard what was happening in the lives of our young people. Investment. Your love and action. Let me say this one more time. If you get anything out of this message, your love in action is the evidence of your faith. Your love in action is the evidence of your faith. Your love in action is the evidence of your faith. I want to be. I want to be an agapo neighbor. And so I'm going to choose to be a life giver. I'm going to choose it right now. So then when that opportunity comes, I know to be a life giver. I'm going to choose to be compassionate. I'm going to choose to be invested. I'm going to choose to be invested. If you're here today, we get back to the basics. Remember, get back to the foundation. What is God? How does God want us to live out our faith journey? Love God. Love people. Maybe you're here today and you've not solidified your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're watching online. And you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life. 
you are longing. You've heard all about his love, and you are longing to receive that love. It's as easy as this. Will you just pray along with me? If you, you want to come into relationship with Jesus, just say, God, I need you. God, my soul is hungry for you. I'm asking you today to forgive me. Lord, I have messed up so many times. And it's you that are the one who I need to ask forgiveness for. Will you come and live inside of me? Will you bring this spirit of life change that this pastor keeps talking about? I want that in my life. I choose today to live for you. I choose today to love you with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some of you are here today and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with loving my neighbor. I'm struggling. There's, there's people I'm struggling to love. We got the lights down low, but I want you by a show of hands, by, by faith. Raise your hands. Pastor, will you just pray for me? There's, there's people I'm really, I feel convicted about that I know I need to love more. Lord, all around this room, those who are watching online who are just struggling with this, Lord, all of us are there. We want your agapo love lived out through us. So, Lord, show us. Show us things that are in our way. Lord, pour out your spirit on us in a fresh and new way. God, we want our faith to live, be lived out loud and clear, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we give the God of agapo love a hand clap this morning? If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I have a gift for you. It's a new believer's Bible. It's a New Testament. I'm telling you, it will give you instructions and directions, clear, simple directions of where to go from here. And I want to give this to you. Just simply go to the back to our guest center and say, hey, I'd like to have, I'd like to receive one of those Bibles that the pastor was talking about. That is our free gift to you this morning. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.